The Good Shepherd in the sermon series, I Am, spoken by Pastor Sunita Pontan. So when I was younger, um, our house was robbed. And we weren't home at the time. It happened sometime during the day. My brother and I were still at the babysitter's house, and my mom went home and noticed that our house had been broken into. Our radios, TVs, and other small electronics was gone. Um, Some jewelry of my mom's was missing as well. And that night, after my mother put me to bed, I couldn't sleep. I was scared. So at some point, I walked into my parents' room, and I said, Mommy... Can I sleep in here with you and daddy? Now, normally this would have been a no. But on this night, my mother understood that I was scared. And so she laid out a pallet on the floor, a heavy blanket and a pillow. And she she let me sleep on the floor next to their bed. I fell asleep with no problem. I had been scared, but something about being close to my parents made me feel better. It gave me the security that I needed. Just knowing I was in their presence was enough to calm my fears. I slept there for several nights before my mom finally told me it was time to go to my own bed. And by then it was okay because I felt a little bit stronger. Do you remember that feeling as a child? You were scared, but you knew that if you could just get to your parents or to your grandparents or older sibling or some other trusted adult, you felt like you would be okay. It's strange that no matter how old we get, we seem to never outgrow fear. We're going through so much right now, and all of our emotions are all over the place. There's anxiety and depression and grief and and this feeling of being overwhelmed. But more than anything, the feeling that I hear expressed the most underneath it all is fear. We're scared. We're scared of becoming infected. We're scared of someone we know becoming infected. We're scared of dying. And what seems to make this pandemic so difficult to endure is that we have become people of suspicion. Think about it. Everyone is a possible threat. Stand back six feet. Where are you going? Did you wear a mask? Did you wash your hands? Do you have hand sanitizer? We carry that fear inside of us for ourselves and for others. While not speaking of a pandemic, we often read in the Bible that it speaks to our fears. Numerous times, God commands us, do not fear, do not be afraid. He speaks of his presence with us. But when I think about where I go most often, when I am scared, where I go in the Bible, my heart always takes me to the 23rd Psalm. It's the passage my mother taught me as a child because she knew that more than anything, more than even needing her, I would need the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Something about Psalm 23 brings a sense of calm and a sense of peace. Like the psalmist, the words express our need for a shepherd and our trust in God for our security. We love being called part of God's pasture, like one of his sheep. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
In times of trial, maybe sickness or grief, we remember these words that God's presence is with us, that his rod and his staff to steer us forward or to pull us back away from danger, to fight off the enemy, they comfort us. Now, whether you understand all the the symbolism or not, the point is evident. God is your shepherd, your comforter and your protector. He was and is your security. So it's not strange that when Jesus is describing himself, one with God, he uses the term shepherd. In fact, he calls himself the good shepherd. Just the way your parents may have been your security as a child, Jesus comes now even more so and with his power. As we've been discussing the last few weeks, Jesus makes these I am claims to remind us that he and the Father are one. The words spoken to Moses when God commissioned him to go and bring the people out of is the people of Israel out of slavery. I am, he says, is sending you Moses. Jesus grabs a hold of these words as well. I am, he says, the good shepherd. And just like we take comfort in the words of David in Psalm 23, we can take even greater comfort in knowing that Jesus is the embodiment of the good shepherd. He is our comfort and he is our security. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. This is what it says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. When Jesus declares himself to be the good shepherd, he does so in response to the Pharisees' criticism of him being healing a man born blind. Jesus uses the metaphor of the sheep and the shepherd to highlight the Pharisees' neglect and manipulation of the people they were supposed to serve and care for. Rather than celebrate his healing, however, they question who he is, even if he's the son of God or even connected to God at all. They base their faith on rules, constantly regulating the behavior of people. They place burdens and stumbling blocks before people rather than guiding them to God. But here, as we saw last week with Pastor Dan, Jesus says that he is the door to the abundant life, that he is the door to God. Next week, Pastor Peter will be telling us even more about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And today, we're looking at Jesus claiming to be, declaring himself to be the good shepherd. So what does it mean that God, Jesus is our good shepherd? One of the things it means is that he will be our security. He will be our protector. He is telling us that he will save us and shield us from danger. That's what it means for Jesus to be the shepherd, and not just any shepherd, but the good shepherd. The same shepherd we find comfort in when we read the words of Psalm 23, he lives in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Today, we're going to focus on just that one aspect of Jesus being the good shepherd, Jesus being our protector. So what does it mean for Jesus, our good shepherd, to be our protector? First, as our good shepherd, Jesus protects us from the wolves in our lives. He protects us from the wolves in our lives. Look at verses 11 through 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The most common way Jesus describes what it means for him to be the good shepherd is by telling us that he lays down his life for us. In fact, in the eight verses that we read in its entirety, Jesus will say it five times. It's so important to him. Last week, Pastor Dan gave us background on the sheep and the shepherd, so I'm not going to go over all of that, and please go back and listen to his sermon if you haven't heard it. But let me say this. Shepherds spend most of their time guarding the flock. Sheep are practically defenseless and require constant care. Shepherds guard sheep against thieves and robbers, but the biggest threat is wild animals the lions and the bears and the wolves. The job of the shepherd was to keep the sheep safe. Jesus is telling us that as the good shepherd, he gives his own life to protect us from the wolves, from the enemy. In the text, the threat is a wolf. It's the predator. It's the enemy of the sheep. It's how Satan masks himself. In Matthew, Jesus warns us against wolves and sheep clothing. They would be the false prophets For us, they are the prosperity gospel preachers who tell you to name it and claim it, but have no theology for suffering or sin. They make their congregations believe that unless they are wealthy and life is good, then they have done something wrong. The false prophets are those who use their power to manipulate people for their own personal gain. Jesus says, beware of those people. Our enemy is real. Other times, the Bible will describe the enemy as a roaring lion seeking, prowling around, seeking someone to destroy, all references to sheep's predators. The good shepherd understands the danger. The good shepherd would rather die than to see one of his sheep attacked by a wolf. Jesus promises to protect us and to be the protector of the wolves in our lives. Now, our enemy is not actual wolves and lions, but it might be the fear that surrounds covid It might be the uncertainty of what tomorrow may bring. It might be the enemy speaking lies to you or trying to bring up your past. It might be the distractions that keep you from getting closer to God. It might be the addictions that are starting to manifest themselves or or come back to the surface. It might be the racism that continues to plague our nation, whether in the form of harassment of Asian Americans or the killing of unarmed black men. The enemy is real. But Jesus has died for us, and in the end, we will be victorious. But understand this. The fact that Jesus is the good shepherd doesn't mean that the enemy won't come. In this world, you will have trials. Temptations will come. Weapons will be formed against you. But the promise is that they will not prosper. The ultimate aim of the enemy will not prevail. The Bible says that when the enemy comes against you like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will hold up a standard against you. Jesus will be our protector. 
Growing up, I used to always hear people in my church say, thank you, Lord, for protecting me from danger seen and unseen. And I realized that the older I get, these things are not cliches. They're actually true. And in this era of COVID-19, it's even more true because we are facing an unseen virus. There are so many people who are sick and there are so many people who are dying and all of those people are so valuable and my heart breaks for each one of them and for their families. But there's also so many people who've remained asymptomatic or not infected at all. And I don't want us to lose sight of them as well. God has protected them. And God has protected us from dangers seen and unseen. A few months ago, Pastor Peter shared a story about me and him. I want to tell my version of the story. It's, this is the remix. Pastor Peter shared that at one point he had become jealous that I had been asked to preach at different churches. I had been asked to preach at programs for church planters and leaders. Now, the irony is that I've never planted a church. Pastor Peter has. This is the church that he planted. Now, let me be clear that Pastor Peter is not a wolf. In fact, he's an amazing pastor and preacher and friend, and he has gone out of his way to intentionally mentor me. So when he came to me one day and asked for forgiveness for harboring feelings of jealousy, I was surprised. Little did I know that he had begun to be jealous of the requests coming my way because these requests would normally have gone to him. But after sharing that with me, it occurred to me that if he had wanted to, Pastor Peter could have killed me in ministry. As my boss, he could have denied me the opportunity to preach and teach outside of Metro. He could have limited my opportunities here at Metro. He could have fired me. He could have spread rumors about me. He could have killed my reputation if he chose to, but he didn't. And I'm so grateful to him, but I'm mostly I'm grateful to God because you see, I had no idea what Pastor Peter had been feeling. God was protecting me without me even knowing it. The Good Shepherd protected me from what could have been a disaster for me. And it's not uncommon because I know people whose pastors have, have lied on them, who have, who have destroyed their reputations, who have ruined their career, but God. Because the blessing of all this is that the Good Shepherd not only protected me, but he protected Pastor Peter as well. Pastor Peter is one of his sheep too. And because Pastor Peter stays so close to the shepherd, when the enemy tried to plant seeds of jealousy in his heart, the shepherd was right there to protect both Pastor Peter and me. Sometimes the greatest wolf in our lives is ourselves. The enemy tries to play on our fears, to lead us to hurting others or to hurting ourselves. Have you been sabotaging yourself lately? Negative self-talk, distancing yourself from God? Jesus protects us from the wolves, even when the wolves are ourselves. Will you let him protect you today? So as the good shepherd, Jesus protects us from the wolves in our lives. And he does it because we are in relationship with him. He does it because we're in relationship. We are known by him. Look at verses 14 through 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. 
I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Though a shepherd may have hundreds of sheep in his flock, he knows each one of them intimately. He knows their personalities. He knows their tendencies. Last week, Pastor, Peter, uh, Pastor Dan reminded us that Jesus, the good shepherd, even knows us by name. He knows each sheep by name and took the time to name them because each was unique and important to him. Even the sheep that look alike, they were given individual names. I don't know about you, but that gives me so much peace. Jesus knows me by name. I have friends who are twins, and it often takes me a while before I can distinguish between them. Jesus never has that problem. I know people who, after a very long time, still mispronounces my name. Jesus never does that. Even in my family, it's not uncommon for my aunts to call me and my cousins the name of the other because they say there's way too many of us. But you know what? Jesus never confuses me with anyone else because he knows me and he knows you. The shepherd's relationship with the sheep is based upon interpersonal knowledge of the other. Jesus has a personal interest in each one of his sheep, in each one of us. It's intimate. In Psalm 139, it says it this way. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. The Bible says that God even knows the number of hairs on our head. We are known by Jesus. There is so much safety in being known by Jesus. It means that he knows just who we are inside and out. He knows the flaws. He knows the brokenness. He knows what we look like without makeup. He knows the weaknesses. He knows our, our hangups and our addictions. He knows our strengths. And he knows what brings us joy. He doesn't reject the difficult parts of us, even though so many others might. He doesn't condemn our failures. And he knows what we're going through. We can be ourselves when we go to him in prayer because he already knows everything about us. And because we are known by Jesus, we can be assured that we are never lost. Each night, the shepherd is responsible for counting the sheep and making sure he hasn't lost any. In a parable, Jesus talks about how a shepherd will leave the 99 to go find the one that is lost. Don't you know that Jesus searches for you? If you aren't in relationship with Jesus already, let me, let me tell you, let me be clear with you that every time you hear the gospel message preached, that is Jesus looking for you, searching for you. Every morning that he wakes you up with new mercies, that is Jesus searching for you. And if you're in a relationship with Christ, but you've strayed away like one of those lost sheep, Know that those moments where, where you can't find peace and in those seasons where even though you've fallen into sin, it doesn't feel good anymore and the joy has lost you, that is Jesus coming after you, searching for you. But Jesus says something fascinating. He says, I know my sheep 
and my sheep know me. It's not just a one-way relationship. It's a reciprocal relationship with the sheep. And it's about one of knowledge and deep intimacy. But it's more than just sort of this intellectual knowledge. It's about actually knowing the heart of Christ. Jesus gives us access to him. He says that our relationship with him can be as deep as his relationship with the Father. He says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Think about that. Jesus and the Father are one. And Jesus says that we can be so close to him that we can be one with him as well. I know it's been difficult, but how have you been abiding with God these past eight weeks? Are you growing in your relationship with God? We get to know the shepherd by listening to his voice. And we get to hear his voice through the studying and the meditating on his word. It's the the prayer and through the silence. It's through the worship. It's experiencing his daily care. It's through gratitude. It's through obedience. As we abide in Christ, we grow in love for him and in trust for him. That is how we get to know him and build a relationship with him. But it also keeps us from straying. Because the closer we stay to the shepherd, the safer we are. Our security is found in our proximity to the shepherd. So we know that Jesus, the good shepherd, protects us from the wolves in our lives, and he does so because we're in relationship with him. But how does he do it? There are three ways that we see the good shepherd protect his sheep. Let's go back to verses 11 through 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. As the good shepherd, Jesus protects us by his presence. He never abandons us. In the face of danger, the hired hand runs away. What good is that? At the time the sheep need him most, the shepherd is gone. The hired hand is gone. Excuse me. Do you have friends like that? If you do, you need to get rid of them. You know these people. These are the ones who are only around when you can do something for them or when things are good. But as soon as trouble comes, as soon as you're in need of something, they're nowhere to be found. They can leave so easily because they actually don't really care for you. Jesus is invested in us because we have a relationship with him. We belong to him. He will not abandon us. For the hired hand, his care ended when his personal safety was in jeopardy. Jesus is the exact opposite. Jesus was sent specifically to put his life in jeopardy for us. And he will be there in the hospital room and in the courtroom and in the doctor's office and in the bedroom when you're alone. When Mary and Martha were crying over the loss of their brother Lazarus, Jesus was there weeping with him. When Daniel was in the lion's den, God was right there with him. He never abandons us in our time of need. Unlike the hired hand, Jesus, the good shepherd, places himself between the sheep and the threat. Jesus, the good shepherd, is always there with us. That's how he protects us by remaining present with us. Now, next, Jesus protects us with his prayers. I want you to turn to John chapter 17, verse 15. 
This is Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, meaning us, but that you protect them from the evil one. Earlier, Jesus, Jesus has always been praying for us. Earlier, Jesus will tell Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And here, right before he's arrested, Jesus prays for us. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Even now, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Jesus is praying for you right now. When my mother died, I wondered who would pray for me and my brother. Now, of course, I have my father and I have plenty of family members and and church family members and friends. But in my experience, mothers pray for their children differently. Perhaps fathers do too. But mothers pray for their children. They fast for their children. They lay down before the Heavenly Father on behalf of their children. I wondered in the absence of my mother, who would pray for me and my brother? And by the way, I do believe I'm still benefiting from my mother's prayers. There is no expiration date on a prayer. But one day I read that Jesus prays for me. And that is all the assurance that I needed to know that I was covered. The Prince of Peace is praying for my peace. The Redeemer is praying for my redemption. The the Savior is praying for my salvation. The Healer is praying for my health. The Almighty One is praying for my strength. Your name may never be spoken by anybody on this earth, but Jesus, the one who teaches us how to pray, is praying on your behalf. Even when we don't know how to pray for ourselves, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. He's praying for our protection. We're covered. And finally, Jesus not only protects us with his presence and with his prayers, but he protects us with his power. Jesus protects us by laying down his life for us. The enemy desires our death to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus takes our place. He dies so that we can be saved from death. He dies so that the enemy cannot win over us. But it's not just that he died for us. Anyone can do that. The Secret Service are paid to die for the president. It's the power he demonstrates, not just in his death, but in his resurrection. Look at verses 17 through 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. I love this. Jesus's was a voluntary sacrifice performed out of his extraordinary power. Jesus made the decision to die on our behalf. He says, no one takes my life. When you read the accounts of Jesus's crucifixion, you might think that Jesus was killed. But no, Jesus is telling us even now that they are not going to kill him. He allows himself to die on our behalf. Jesus will later tell Pilate that if he wanted to, Jesus could call down legions of angels at his disposal, but he doesn't. He knows that that's not the plan. 
He knows that's not how we will be saved. He loves us enough to willingly die for us. Jesus has the power, meaning the strength and the might and the ability, but also the authority, meaning he has the right to lay down his life and to take it up again. He loves us so much that he uses his power not to to punish us or to harm us, but to give us life, to give us abundant life. What he does for us is, is no mistake. It's not a play of chance. It is an intentional demonstration of power through sacrificial love for us, his sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd because his power is without comparison. Anyone can give up their life for someone, but only Jesus can pick his life back up again. That is the power, not just of any shepherd, but the good shepherd. An ordinary shepherd, he might die for his flock, but this would only partially benefit the sheep. After he was dead, the sheep would be defenseless prey. The only way the sheep can truly have abundant life and eternal life is if the shepherd not only dies instead of the sheep, but he also has the power to resurrect himself enough to provide eternal protection. Jesus conquered death for us. That's what makes him good. That's what demonstrates his love for us. That's powerful protection. Jesus' sacrifice, it actually atones. It actually redeems. It actually brings us into right relationship with God. Jesus loves us enough that he demonstrates the grandeur of his power to secure our salvation. It's interesting that, that we never outgrow fear. We just begin to fear different things. As you all know, since the stay-at-home order went to effect, Metro has been providing groceries for families in Inglewood. We have a huge team of volunteers led by Deborah Moore and Steve Bang. We've got shoppers and packers and delivery people and the welcome team. And it started off so small, but as word got out and the need became greater, the number of people showing up weekly increased. A few weeks ago, we ran out of food. I wasn't on site that day, and when I heard about it, my heart sank. Because that had been and continues to be my biggest fear. That's a terrible thing to happen when you invite friends over for dinner, right? Remember when we could invite people over for dinner? The worst thing that could happen was that you ran out of chicken. But what do you do when the stakes are that much higher? What do you do when people are actually in need? I felt guilty that I wasn't there that day. And Mama Moore and her volunteers had to turn people away. I was mad at myself for not planning poorly. After all, I oversee this ministry. I was heartbroken for the people who came empty and left empty. My biggest fear had been realized, that we were unprepared, that we ran out of food, and I had been exposed for not knowing what I was doing. The reality is that these feelings are not the truth. The truth is no one blamed me. The truth is that we were prepared for the people that we expected and even some more, but even more than that showed up that day. The truth is that none of us have ever done this before. We are certainly and certainly not at this scale. 
The truth is that things are changing rapidly, weekly, if not daily. The truth is that we are in the midst of a pandemic and we are learning everything on the fly. The truth is that we have fed hundreds of people since March 21st. The truth is that with the support of all of you, we are doing the Lord's work. This is the reality. But for weeks, I couldn't see it. The wolf in my life was me, the perfectionist, the one who is secretly insecure, the one who struggles with the savior complex, the one who will look and focus on everything that went wrong and forget about all the things that went well. And the wolf was attacking me. I became paralyzed in some ways. I couldn't make decisions. I couldn't trust myself. I was stressed. I had had, had asked other people to help us, and I questioned every decision that we made. And then yesterday, yesterday, as I prepared to join the team, I read these words in my morning devotional. Don't be so hard on yourself. Your finite mind tends to look backward. This is a waste of time and energy leading only to frustration. Thinking that you should live an error-free life is symptomatic of pride. Failure highlights your dependence on me. Trust me and watch to see what I will do. That's what I read yesterday morning before I went over to the church. Jesus knew what I needed to hear to calm my fears. The good shepherd showed up for me. He knew what was on my heart, and it was as if that devotional was written just for me, Sunita, on May 9th, 2020. The Good Shepherd showed up for me this week, calming my fears, pulling me out of the rabbit hole of despair, and protecting me from the wolf of lies I was telling myself. I was able to hear it because I am in relationship with the Good Shepherd. By his power, he shook me out of my paralysis so I can think clearly and make decisions. And not only did God show up for me in word, he showed up for all of us indeed yesterday. We had so much fresh produce yesterday left over that we were able to share it with another church so they could bless their congregation. Brothers and sisters, the good shepherd is still at work, protecting us, speaking to us, and demonstrating his awesome power within our lives. Will you let him be your good shepherd today? Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father, we thank you that you are still the good shepherd. That 2,000 years later, we can read the words of this text and know that they are alive and well in our lives today. God, we thank you that you are still protecting us. And so, Lord, we pray that we will trust you to be our protector, that we will trust you to be our provider, that we will trust you to show up And know that you will be with us, that you will not abandon us. And that we will trust the relationship that we have developed with you. God, we thank you that we belong to you. We thank you that you love us enough to have died for us, God. It is through your son, Jesus Christ's name, that we pray. Amen. If you are new to Metro... At the end of the sermon, we always like to do what's called the next steps. We know that the sermon doesn't just end when we say amen here. So there are some next steps we would like to take you through. If you have our communications card, we would ask that you would take that out on the app and it will take you right through it. Number one, I don't have one. 
but I want to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember in the text, it talks about Jesus having other sheep in his flock and bringing them all together. That's you. He's looking for you. He's waiting for you. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you want one, check that box and we'll reach out to you. Number two, I will share my fears with someone and ask for prayer. We all have fears. We all have things that we are struggling with, but we can't do it on our own. So if you need someone to pray with you, check that box off and commit to do that this week. Number three, I will meditate on Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is probably one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's definitely one of my favorite passages in the Bible, and it speaks so much to us, particularly in this season of fear. Let it bless you. Number four, I would like to receive pastoral care. Check that box off if you would like to speak to a pastor. We will spend about 45 minutes with you and talk with you about what you're struggling with and offer you some guidance and prayer. And number five, I will read John chapter 14, verses 1 through 18, in preparation for next Sunday. Pastor Peter will be here next Sunday, and he will be taking us through that passage. We want you to be prepared for that.